high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your house. Good morning. Deglio. Way back in high school, most every I know night. him. I know My him. My watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo. You're a celebrity, Keith. That's where I'm going with this. Wait 15 years, get fed. Oh, 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 I already forgot. This week I have a zit. You won't be staring at it the entire time, but I will. You would never have known that from the YouTube star that he is. They took it out in post. Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast by Now You Know. This is a podcast where two white narcissists talk about themselves. And after about an hour, we talk about David D. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season six, episode six, Honor code uh and i guess you went you went straight to it <laughs> i couldn't help myself man i'm so excited i'm so proud uh, oh i watched it twice yes <clears throat> so uh this week uh my episode of retro tech debuted uh which is a youtube original series about uh you guessed it retro technology and uh yeah there's there's me on the on the YouTubes this week. It was uh I was I was a little nervous, frankly. I was like, "A, am I going to sound like an idiot? And B, am I going to look like a walrus?" And No, look I, at this. Feel, look how svelte this guy is. I feel like uh they edited oh, it, it well enough that I only half sounded like an idiot and half looked like a walrus. So, okay. I will uh I'll take it. What's going on over there? I don't know. It's it's like doing weird shit. And it uh <laughs> it's really oh, well, we're gonna have one of those guys. Well we always do. <laughs> I know. You mean an episode? It's like not <laughs> centered at all as I have have asked it to be. Uh, it's as you not, worked hard. Yeah. Oh good. Well, this is gonna go real well today. This is, wow. This is gonna go amazing. Well, if you would like to see uh half walrus, half idiot version of me you can go on to uh the youtubes and search for retro tech and uh it is season two episode two about teleportation i talk a little star trek although not nearly as much as i expected to i mainly talk a lot of other nonsense that they uh they fed me right before i said it on camera and uh, my job was to say nonsense confidently on camera now, so, let me ask uh, you, Keith, because uh, watching yes. it, I had some questions. Um, okay, yeah. It appears as though, and I don't know if you've, you haven't signed any, like, NDA, have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and others. Um, it appears as though, like, a lot of the talking heads were asked to, like, hit certain beats because it all fit the sort of narrative they were telling. It seemed less like Keith's input. I feel like you had a lot more to say then made the cut. Oh my goodness. Yes. I think there's <laughs> there's about 
I have what? A minute and a half of uh, screen time, and I talked for an hour and a half. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of it, before we got there, we had sort of a hit list of beats that they wanted to get to. And, and each of us had um, sort of our area of expertise. And so I was there sort of as the track guy. And, uh, every, you know, other people were there about VR or other actual science, like the real smart people, as opposed right, to right. the nerds. There's a difference. Uh, and, but what they did is they, you know, they asked me a million questions about the Star Trek thing. And then they were like, uh, do you have any familiarity with VR or whatever? Do you want to just talk about that? And then they'd be like, yeah, so uh, we just want to put in, um, in 1981, you know, Bob Smith, uh, invented this in a book um and uh it it basically led to this could you just like say that and i'd be like in 1981 bob smith put out a novel and in this novel he introduced the concept of bob and it, the, and and i'm just like absolute and entirely bullshit but uh that was uh it was fun it, it really was an interesting experience and uh obviously bullshitting into a camera about something that you you don't know anything about, you just know some of the keywords, is uh, what I do every week here on the Out of Practice podcast. So, Yeah, I watched the whole like first drop of episodes they put out, and, and they're great. I, like, I really like the segment uh, Dope or Nope, where they, they look yes. at a bunch of retro tech and talk about whether they think it was like on the right path or not. And it's, it's weird because I remember the majority of the stuff they're playing with, and right. Mar- Marquez, who's the host, is such a charismatic dude and such a you know really really smart and and great creator but uh it's it it makes me every time i watch him i i i feel really old oh absolutely he's a child like, well, i i i think the concept of the show is to make people our age feel old mm-hmm. i think that, i think that is basically the whole thing uh yeah no i it's a it's a cool show and marquez is, is a great host of course they edited it to look like we were all in the room with him, and he was the one doing the interviews. I never met him. I was never oh, yeah. in the same room. I was talking to producers the whole time. Uh, if you're Neil deGrasse Tyson, you get to talk to Marquez. But uh, yes. if you're and others, eh, not so much. I myself uh, have been spending the past two weeks uh, and continuing today, ending today. I think today's the last one. Um, <clears throat> I'm working for a company. I'm basically a creative production assist- assistanting their uh i.e recording zoom meetings making sure everybody can run their tech uh for this medical conference but it is based on uh analytical data which sounds incredibly boring and generally speaking would be to me but it's all Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. the COVID 19 vaccine and what we've learned and what the data has shown over the past year and so this is like really interesting now i've done probably 15 sessions an hour and a half each uh, so it gets a little mind-numbing after a while, and obviously I'm not a a PhD. However, my brief summation, folks, is that this sort of feeling of spring we're all feeling, like we're out of the woods, eh, hold a tick, uh, because the right. evidence is showing that <clears throat> we are nowhere near out of the woods, and there's going to be hefty usage of boosters and continued vaccination. Um, they're thinking six months to nine months Maybe another one at you know it's it's there's a lot there's a there's a road to host still so uh, maybe those tickets to Hawaii are a little premature 
But if you want to have a little bar- backyard fire pit with your buddy in Rahway, that's uh, that's probably all right. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I I think if you look at the actual numbers globally, I mean, what's happening in India right now? It's horrible. It's like us in January. Um, it's you know there are parts of the world right now that are just getting clobbered. Uh, so yeah, no, we're we're not done, guys. We're not everyone. Uh, you know, cool your jets. Although I will say, this job running the tech at a medical conference. I have also done in my career, uh, I worked at NYU uh, Medical Center's, their uh, CME office, Continuing Medical Education. And I did exactly that a couple of times. And my favorite one was I did, uh, it was a gastroenterology contest. uh, uh, Contest. It was a contest. Who's going to win the gastro? Uh, uh, No, convention. And... Basically, I was there one of the days I sat there and I ran the PowerPoints at that point. That That's because it wasn't on Zoom. It was like you had the guy talking up there and I'd like beep and like hit the next PowerPoint. And for this, I was paid handsomely. Uh, but mm-hmm. one whole day was basically spent on farts for an entire day. And the number of times I heard the word flatus and if you're patient has a particularly murky flatus. Uh, There's a new technology in underwear that involves a carbon filter in the underwear itself, which cuts down on the pungency of the flatus. It was really, really funny. I had a very hard time getting through uh, that meeting. Uh, And what we do on this podcast is screw up a lot, and Mm. therefore, sometimes we get... Your Honor, that vertical scrap... The truth was concealed, it must be revealed, and now it's appealed, 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 appealed. Uh, this week we have an appeal. We don't even from... have a visual for that. No, no, because we're, we're always right. Nobody ever has to appeal. <laughs> from moderator Phoenix Cage, who did not do this on the YouTube because it was so sensitive and so embarrassing, this he reached mistake out. that we made. He reached out on the email, which is outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. And he pointed out, uh, speaking about 604, you referred to Jim Rash's character on Community as the principal. Speaking of principals, easy mistake to make, not really, since his actual title hardly ever came up in the show. And he sent this link. We'll just get a flavor. Dean you later. Dean dong. <laughs> so he's the dean the dean he's we- the dean not the principal uh but i made the terrible pun screw it i'm sticking to my principles he is the principal on community i mean it, it's good to sacrifice a little bit of fact for for a pun i i, I think that's- I'm, I'm embarrassed for myself uh, but speaking of while we're doing it, let's just uh, continue our conversation with Phoenix uh, in a segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. Filings oh. and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Okay. <laughs> you know, I speak to Phoenix quite quite liberally now. We have a we. I would say we are uh, officially peers on the uh he on the Facebook Messenger. Oh, how about that? That's yeah. exciting. It's great. Uh talk video games. Well, I love talking what... video games. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to do a separate video game podcast with Phoenix. 
And while we're talking, here's what he had to say about uh, Six of Four, which is uh, Vanished Part One. When I first watched the episode, the fact that the kid disappeared from the park just as John Pierce left seemed like damning evidence, albeit circumstantial. But after listening to it again with new knowledge, I realized that it wasn't necessarily evidence against him, nor was the timing just an odd coincidence, as Bobby argued. An opportunistic abductor would have seen both him and the mother watching, which would have prevented the abductor from acting. So Pierce leaving the area would have been a necessary precondition for the abduction to take place, making the timing casual rather than coincidental. I should have deduced that a possible explanation the first time, that possible that as a possible explanation the first time, but I didn't because I was too focused on the scenario in which he was guilty. It's a common mistake that philosophers have realized can be avoided using Bayesian thinking, and more specifically, what Julia Galef refers to as the scout mindset. Essentially, you give yourself a more complete and often more accurate perspective by reevaluating the evidence under the assumption of the opposite premise. For example, on how this works, I recommend watching her TED Talk on why Scout Mon's mindset is crucial to good judgment, which I think is very smart. It's you're it's kind of using the scientific method. And you you prove something by being making it impossible to disprove. Uh very cool. He also says, after seeing Charlie's performance, who is, Charlie is running around here like a maniac. You'll probably see him behind behind me. I envisioned the podcast slowly deteriorating or elevating to an homage of the 2007 video Keyboard Cat, uh, which he, I, I, the piano was on, so I, I know where he is at all times because every time he wants to go up to his room, he uh, plays the piano. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we got going on on the YouTubes from our moderator. If you would like to join the conversation, you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. And while you're doing it, do us a huge, giant favor and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. It really, really helps, and we very much appreciate it. We will welcome you to the jury if you do. I will link to that TED Talk in our show notes as long as well as Keith's uh, episode of Retro Tech. Uh, I will not Retro- link to... What was, were you going to correct me? Was I ever saying I say it wrong? No, no, no. I was, I was hype-manning you. I'm like, Retro Tech! Oh. Okay, that was terrible. And uh, <laughs> leave it to Flava Flav. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> What was I going to say? I don't know. You, you ruined my whole mojo. I don't know how uh, many things I have in my life that I should leave to Flavo Flav. I'm, is... I'm low-cal Mike on a Monday morning. I went for a run, and I'm <laughs> not only am I low-cal, but now I'm just I'm depressed because I'm so out of shape. <laughs> oh, God, it's bad. It's bad. All right, what do we do next? Uh, well, what we do next is we're going to hop back in to the time machine. This episode, The Practice Season 6, Episode 6, Honor Code, aired on November 18th, the year 2001, which means it's time for us to talk about what were we doing? This day in the basement. Well, Keith, oh, that worked perfectly. I was in New York City, as you recall. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you'll recall, I, I moved to New York. And mm-hmm. this is an interesting week, actually, because uh, I had a, a, a dear friend of mine, his, his dad passed away this week, and uh, oh, he reached out to me a little bit because, obviously, I can. it's, it's nice, you know, there's a thing, I, I won't go into it too deeply here, but there's a, a concept called the circle of grief, and it basically talks about how certain groups of people in a circle that kind of grows out from the, the person who suffered the loss— should respond in certain materials uh, or in certain situations. What you should talk about, should you talk about yourself? Should you say anything? Uh, Google it. But this person was having a very natural response to the loss of his parent, and he just, he was getting kind of upset because a lot of people are reaching out saying, asking how he was doing and what can they do. And while those are very, very compassionate uh, messages, it can upset a person. Well, how do you think I'm, you know, a lot of, some people respond, well, how the F do you think I'm doing? My, my dad just died, right? Like, yeah. that's, the, things can seem very true. People respond differently. And so he reached out to me because I think he's, he was seeking some people who can actually feel empathy, uh, a, mm. a specific empathy. I only bring this up because it, it harkens me back to a very similar feeling I was having. Now, I want to jump back in time just a little bit here to uh, my brother's 21st birthday. When my brother turned 21, my dad blew it out for him. We rented out a restaurant uh, nearby where I grew up called the Seven Stars Inn. Everybody in my family came. It was, my dad was like holding court. My brother was like the shining beacon. Steaks for everybody. We're wearing suits. He presents my brother with a Rolex. He bought him a Rolex. And... We wow. still have that Rolex. I wore it to my brother's what he my brother let me wear it at his wedding and it was it was cool. Anyway, and I I'm going to re- uh, reiterate something I've mentioned on the pod before because it's 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 pertinent to the story. I've never felt jealousy or animosity towards my brother. We never have been competitive, which is unique because most brothers generally do. Oh yeah. Um I think people expected me to middle child a lot more than I ha- <laughs> than I did. We were peers, we were colleagues. We championed each other, and so I, 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 people were thinking I was feeling away because my dad was really celebrating my brother on his twenty-first birthday. To which I thought we should be. He's excelling in school. He's doing well. My, he's he's a great dude. So my dad, my brother was like giving a speech or something, and my dad was sitting next to me, and he put his hand around arm around me, and he goes, "Don't you worry. On your twenty-first birthday, we're gonna do the same thing for you." Which in the t- in the moment, like. I was like, this is, it's fine. It's not a big deal. But flash forward to November 13th, 2001, which is where we are here in this day in the basement. And uh, I was celebrating my 21st birthday. Now, I had only been in New York and at school uh, for two months at this point, maybe not even a month at this point. And I made some friends. I was dating a girl and I had my friends, Tina and Jason, and they wanted to take me out to a dinner and I, I didn't want to. I was feeling a certain way. All of that bitterness I wasn't feeling my brother's 21st birthday, I was feeling now. Well, uh, of course. Right? Yeah. Like, I was I was thinking to myself, I shouldn't be here. I should be, able, I should be able to afford to even go home to, like, celebrate with my family. But I, d- I can't. I'm here by myself. My dad's not here. I'm not getting any of the hella blue. I was feeling all that that crap, right? And yeah. <clears throat> so I walked down the street on my own 21st birthday to a place that uh, you probably know. It's called Blondie's. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, it wasn't as fancy at the time. Uh, there was only a couple of TVs. And I sat back in the corner and, and the, I told the bartender I was going to get drunk. And so I did <clears throat> by myself. And this is, I think I mentioned to you, Keith, as you know, uh, I'm, I'm less atheist than you. I'm a little bit more of an agnostic. However, this is one of those times when a, a pretty big coincidence took place that I didn't read into spiritually, but I let it be, I let it become lore in my own history of, of my life because I need it to be, uh, even though sure. I recognize a coincidence is a coincidence is a coincidence. Anyway, I'm sitting in that bar, it's my 21st birthday, and I'm ruminating on this, my brother's 21st birthday, and all of the things I didn't have in my dad, and I'm, I'm you know, it, it, it was not celebrating, as I should have been, if I could go back in time, but it is what it is. However, sure. when my dad died, all of his stakes in his business, uh, he had purchased, so my dad uh, was a salesman, was a plumber for many years, and then when his diabetes kind of took away his sort of... Uh, ability to be a hands-on kind of guy. He started being a salesman for a trucking company called Venencia, which is still out there. You can see their trucks. And then he started working for this company called Garden State Brickface and Stucco. And he was one of their most celebrated salesmen. If my dad had just stayed a salesman, he would have probably been extremely wealthy, extremely, extremely wealthy. He was, I can only tell you, he had an innate ability to sell and to be charismatic. It was, it was, it was mesmerizing to watch. I've mentioned it before. Anyhow, uh, but he couldn't have a boss. He just couldn't. He had to work for himself. And so he worked in, and he got a partner and they purchased a, basically franchised a Garden State Brickface and Stucco in Pensalk in New Jersey. Well, that kind of all went to shit when he was sick and the business kind of went away. And I'm not really sure what happened after the fact. Uh, but anyhow, a month, so my dad died in May. So June, July, August, September, October, November. So we're talking six months later. I'm sitting in a bar in New York City, and I'm lamenting, and I'm kind of upset and whatnot. And what comes on one of those TVs during a baseball game? But windows and exteriors and get a new house without having. Oh, we're not hearing this, are we? Spend a fortune. I'm hearing it. Right. You can give your home a new look and feel, any look you desire, and it just takes one phone call. For years, we've been beautifying thousands of area homes, making them more energy efficient while increasing their value. Brick, stucco, stone, siding, and windows. Quality craftsmanship, most work done within a week. All maintenance-free and fully guaranteed. Let us help you design the perfect look for your home. Call Garden State Brickface Windows and Exteriors. To find out if our unique products are right for you, call now for a free telephone consultation. It just takes a few minutes. There's absolutely no obligation. 100% financing available. So why wait when a simple call can get you a great new house without spending a fortune? Call 1-800-647-1600. Anyway, the commercial came on at the bar. Now we've lost your audio. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's all over. Uh, you haven't. You, I, the, the audience can hear me. Uh, uh, hold on. <laughs> uh, the audience can hear me, oh, luckily. There you go. Okay. Uh, you, you, you just couldn't. Uh, we just which, got our YouTube strike from that commercial. <laughs> uh, unlikely. Although that is the exact commercial that ran because they only ever had three. Uh, one ran in the 80s, oh, one ran in the 90s, and then I think they're so still in run, business. ran one of the franchises of this company. Yes. Okay. Uh, and they still had a New York branch. So it's not 
uh, and I was able to find that commercial by searching what you know some people oddly record commercials from certain dates so that's one that sure. ran in New York in the year 2001 so that is the specific commercial that ran that night um it's not uh so it is coincidental they just happened to be running one but it, it was weird that whatever channel that the blondies had on picked up that kind of syndicated thing so anyway i took that for years to kind of be like a check-in that my dad did even though you know i recognize that's <clears throat> i've put a little bit of uh magical realism into that but i remember it specifically i remember that 21st birthday it was nothing like i had ever planned it would be and it's just another reminder as we talk about often on the podcast life uh isn't generally going to turn out the way you, you created in your head so you're better off just kind of being in the moment and trying to just make the best of what you've got in the moment yeah yeah well, fair go. enough you know and and i i think that you know by i'm i'm probably more agnostic than than you think I am like you know I certainly don't discount the possibility, right? And and I think that's I think and and you know again like meaning is what meaning is like if you know it it clearly has meaning to you and therefore it has meaning and and it, whether there's a I don't know I think that's I think that's a really cool story and I think that's a that's a great way to uh, to take that it's fascinating it's too bad I, we could use his business. Our our house here has uh, what we call oh buck well, teeth. yeah you would have got a great deal. We've we've terrible like weird fake plastic wood siding in the front of the house that gen like legitimately looks like buck teeth. So uh, if we had more <laughs> money, we would adjust that, but we uh, we don't. But yeah, that that's a very sad story, Mike. I I I, I wish that I were there to uh, sit with you and get drunk with you. Well, you couldn't have been there with me to get drunk because you were in Rochester, and I can't hear to he, wait to hear more about it. Although <clears throat> your uh, your internet connection is pretty shitty today, but we're gonna have to just deal with I'm, it. Yeah, I'm. I, I appear to be stuttering pretty good, but it's not yeah, well, on. I think it's on the Skype level. Weird. Whatever. No. Does anybody really like? Well, I really would have enjoyed that episode, but Keith's frame rate was too low. Yeah, we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna go back to Skype next week. Keith, the Skype NDI. I think it's gonna. We're, we're going to try it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, all right. So in Rochester, folks, it was, uh, we've built up to it for a long time. And now it is finally here. My production of Conrad Souza's Transformations was finally happening that weekend, or it was actually the weekend before, but we had a couple of weeks off. And I was performing. And uh, guess what? Thanks. Thanks to my father, my uncle Bob, my mother, and my brother have all worked together to make this clip happen for you. So uh, basically, this was an atonal opera by Conrad Sousa based on Anne Sexton's retelling of the Grimm's fairy tales. So it was uh, took a Grimm story, made it immensely grimmer both through Anne Sexton's lens and then through an <laughs> atonal opera so we all played uh inmates in an insane asylum retelling these stories in atonal opera and so here is just a little clip of me uh playing Rumpelstiltskin in a uh retelling of Rumpelstiltskin and this was in Kilbourne Hall And of course, that's me massachewing the scenery with my broom. Uncle 
a subtle take. Subtle take, Keith. And this was not a subtle opera. Okay. Okay. I'm going to chew. Look, if you're going to hire me, I'm going to go for it, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure you were hired. (laughs) That's true. I think I I I paid about $35,000 a year for this privilege. (laughs) Uh, uh, anyway, so uh, a couple. How many of YouTube strikes cool... is that today so far? I don't think anybody is clocking uh, <laughs> Conrad Sousa's opera. Anyway, so a couple of other things that I really liked about this production. Uh, one is throughout the uh, the show, whenever we weren't performing in the various parts of the uh, whatever story we were telling we were sort of like miming painting on the walls of the insane asylum. And cause we were, you know, just crazy people just doing crazy stuff. But at the very end in, it becomes very dark and very emotional because of this whole like sexual assault thing. Uh, all of a sudden the lights change and they hit the set with a black light. And all of a sudden, all of the paintings that we have been doing show up for the first time, oh, illuminated cool. in this black light. And it was such a cool... It didn't really show up on the video, but it was just like spine-tingling to see just sort of emerge all these paintings, the entire set covered with this, which you had no idea was there until we hit it with the black light. Um, very, very cool. The, the last thing... Uh, was that Conrad Sousa, the composer of the opera, was actually, he's still alive and was going to come, uh, but could not come, sadly. Uh, He had a thing come up at the last second. But he gave me uh, one of my most prized possessions, which is right here. So uh, there's a, I think I mentioned it before, there's this insanely difficult phrase of music that my character had to do. So he sent me a card in which he wrote to me personally, and then wrote out by hand the beginning of that phrase uh, commemorating this uh, production. Can you hold it a little closer to the camera so we can maybe focus it? Uh, or is that not, just not going to happen? Well, oh, there we go. On, here it is. Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> yeah, so it's it's really cool. So he actually wrote out the score by hand. It was, uh, I don't know, it's really cool. It's something that I'm I'm proud of. I'm proud to have... Uh, that's one if you were a tattoo guy, of. Keith. That could be a that would be a neat tattoo that only would mean anything to you. Yeah, no, that actually that definitely would be. I mean, that's a phrase that I uh, will never in your forget soul. <laughs> for the etched in my soul for the rest of my life. Uh, so anyway, that was a really cool uh, a really cool thing that I got to do. You know, and as a senior, uh, you know, I hadn't done any roles in the operas yet. Um, and, and, uh, so I, I finally got a shot to do it because you're not guaranteed, right? You know, you're not guaranteed to perform any roles at, at, in the operas at that point. So I was very happy to, 
to be able to do this one. And this one involved a great deal more acting and much more physicality. Um, so I, I think it was, it, it felt right. It was really good. I'm, I was proud to now, be a part at, of it. At your senior year level, Keith, was there any, uh, was there any thought in your mind that you would, that you wanted to potentially pursue opera as a career path? Well, I mean, that was certainly the intent when I started <laughs> at Eastman. I mean, I think anyone and that's I, heard, that hears your voice, you know, even in the small bits you hear on the podcast, can tell that you have the training and the and the and the instrument. It's just a matter of, you know, it's, I, I don't think people recognize what a difficult career that is. that is really difficult. Well, it's it's super difficult, and I I think, um, you know, objectively, objectively, I I I think I had the chops to make a go at it. I don't think I ever had quite the chops, but more importantly, the real interest or drive to go and and be very successful at it. Um, you know, some of my classmates are now very, very successful. And uh, I think they just, A, they wanted it more, they liked it more, and they had um, extraordinary talent, which I didn't have in that world. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was okay. I, I mean, like I held my own. Like I, I was, I, I wasn't like, you know, I was, I was good, but I wasn't like, oh my god, that guy. Because you could tell, you could tell, like who the guys were gonna, you know, the like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Aaron is gonna be famous. Like, there's no question. It was like the minute she walked in the door, like, oh, forget it. Um, I think as my four years went, my interest in it waned. So at this point, I hadn't. I don't think I realized that I didn't want to do this. Um, this is probably the most fun I had in that world. Um, but I think subconsciously, I sort of already knew. I, I, I'll, uh, we'll get there, actually, um, this season, probably, uh, where I had my epiphany during my senior recital, where I was like, oh, yeah, no, I really don't. This is not really for me. Um, but I hadn't fully accepted that yet. Anyway, we'll certainly we'll certainly talk about it, and because I'm about to, well, this is November. I'm less than a year, probably like nine months away from joining you in uh, in the city, doing the exact same thing. Oh, okay. So, I thought you um, meant Titanic. I was like, I thought that was two thousand three. Three? No, no, no. I'm a couple of years away from Titanic, but but I'm about to pack up my pack up my bags and show up in New York City and. Uh, have a, a long string of embarrassing audition stories I can't wait to talk about. Oh, those are the but, best. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> my first audition. Anyway, before, we're, we're just going to tee that up because we have more important things to do, and that is talk about something that's not us in a segment we call... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential it's be very sports late. I forgot all about it. and for some inexplicable <laughs> reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Let's let now it play back out. to Keith and Mike. Let's let it play out. We're going to let the, it play. We got to see the weather the Giants bit. and the Eagles. Not the totally weather forgot. for some reason yeah. we don't do anymore. There we go. All right, we are talking about November 18th, the year 2001. And of course, we were listening to Family Affair, uh, performed by Mary J. Blige. 
the cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about South Burlington 8th graders use more hard drugs. Uh, which at that point was uh, quite shocking. We realized the scourge. But uh, South Burlington High School, it wouldn't even be eighth grader. It wouldn't even been high school yet. South Burlington Middle School is where my father went before he went to uh, South Burlington High School. The top movie was, and it's on the screen, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, Big, big, big movie. Big debut for the Harry Potter series. Um, The worst of the Harry Potter movies, in my opinion. Um, including some CGI. That CGI troll was bad even <laughs> then. I was like, what is, you spent how much money on this movie and that's what you're going to put up as the CGI troll? Bad. Not great. Bad. Not great. But it led to uh, great things uh, for pretty much everybody involved. So, and it took in 90, million that week and uh, which is pretty astounding for the time. All right. Now it's time for the most important segment. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. The New York football giants continued their slide from Super Bowl contestant to mediocrity with a Monday night football loss to the Minnesota Vikings in the Metrodome. Gary Collins threw for 321 yards and put two interceptions and zero touchdowns. He was outdueled by Dante Culpepper's four touchdowns, including three to Randy Moss, who finished with 171 yards. Meanwhile, the Six and three Eagles blew out the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys somehow were able to lose despite having Ryan Leaf as their starting quarterback. Ryan Leaf. Yeah, yeah. I had to cut that down. I had like twice as much copy there. I, I don't know why I think I can still write like 500 words for the sports ball segment. Well, uh, because nobody you, because you're a, go, you're a go-getter, Keith. That's why. <laughs> is that what it is? All right. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Finally, we are talking about the practice season six, episode six, entitled Honor Code. It was written, welcome back, by David E. Kelly and Lucas Reiter, who last wrote on Liar's Poker. And directed by veteran director Jean Ossoir, who last directed the two-part episode, The Candidate. Which leaves us only one more thing to do. Time to warm up your sexy pitches. Me, 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 me. What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? Now, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Did I ever tell what you where that curdled milk uh, soundbite came from? Yeah, it's an outtake, right? Yeah, it's, well, they were doing like a birthday video for uh, for David E. Kelly. Oh, no kidding. So it was all like uh, videos of them like on the back lot, just like shooting the shit and telling inside jokes, and somehow it made it way, its way to YouTube, so. Oh, you should probably link to that on the show notes. Yes, yeah, not a bad idea. I'll put it on my list of shit. I got to remember that since we're so far ahead, I keep forgetting. <laughs> I know, right? Well, you know what? It's You can't forget. It is time to throw us a sexy, big pitch Honor for code. this episode. 
I think that's a Popco, a Funko Pop figure of of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So, <laughs> is it? No, I guess <laughs> no, we'll find but out. that's a hilarious guess. <laughs> oh well, you know what? You shouldn't have told me it's not. So I'm gonna say. <clears throat> That's right. No, no, it totally is. <laughs> it does look, it looks like RBG. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that a police officer is accused of killing a child. And there's a witness to this crime who's another police officer. But that thin okay. blue line, that honor code prevents that one police officer from coming forward. And so our team, although we'd be defending the police officer, uh, we're defending the police officer. So Helen and and uh, the, a guy from Office <laughs> 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 it's a It's an amazing to me that I can't remember anyone's name. We've been doing it for years now. Years. Uh, they are trying to convince the other police officer to break the honor code and and testify against him. That's that's what I'm guessing. This it's not very sexy, gotta tell you. But I was gonna uh, say, like I, I'm I'm uh, not but, sure where. However, mm. as a subplot, it finally comes to pass because look, Lindsay and Bobby are married. We're not really talking about anybody else. We're not meeting. Eugene's wife has been written off the storylines apparently because mm-hmm. we used to talk about that a lot. Finally, the steamy sub. Subtext between Helen Gamble and Guy from Office Space, the new DA, <laughs> finally starts to bubble to the surface, and they're going to have their first dinner together to discuss the case where he, wherein he will eat that food with the utensils for real. Ooh, that's what I yes. think, man. What do you think about Helen that? Helen Lowe's going to eat it for real. Eat that, it. That sounds super sexy. Well, if you would like to find out whether Mike's sexy prediction is true, it is time to switch over to your podcasting service of choice and listen to us, listen to the episode. And if you're here on the YouTubes, we will see you back here for the Oopsies. The Practice Season 6, Episode 6, Honor Code. Look out for RBG. Right now, we're offering $450. they are holding out for six and a quarter. You're prepared to go to trial over $175,000. We have to. The insurance industry as a whole is taking a hit because we're paying out too much in damage claims. We're now perceived as being soft, and the truth is we have to be seen as ready to litigate. What about these big jury awards? That doesn't scare you? Oh, it does, but it means that we can't be satisfied with just going to trial. We have to win. And this starts tomorrow. Big jury awards. Yes, but the reality is, if the plaintiff sees us bringing you guys on last minute, I'll realize that we're serious about going to trial, and we truly think that they'll sell. We're primarily criminal. Let's Gordon, introduce. Not civil. Understood. Who's we're gonna draw. It's Gordon the guy. Who's Dude who needs some big money bags from these big money bitches. Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but um, what's done is done. <laughs> well, I, I actually, he he doesn't. He is the big money bags, and he's trying to keep the big money bags because he's on the insurance industry side, but he is played by Jeffrey DeMunn, who uh, is an Emmy nominee for Citizen X. You know him from The Mist, Green Mile, The Walking Dead, 
Hit The Hitcher, Billions, Hollywoodland, Shawshank Redemption, and Newsies. He is, uh, if you're a fan of Frank Darabont, the director who created The Walking Dead and did uh, The Mist and The Green Mile and Shawshank, uh, he is, Jeffrey DeMunn is always going to be in his stuff. So uh, happy to see him. Good actor. I love that our, our firm is known for getting these big settlements because that's uh, at least one positive thing we're known for. Well, and now and now you have the insurance companies wanting them on their side. A very blue-collar jury, which is why we want you, That's Mr. Berluti. Now, Mr. Young, no disrespect to your talent, which we know is enormous. The plaintiff is African-American, as are several of the jurors. Now, we don't anticipate any bias, but we want that to be covered. So we want you to do the plaintiff's cross. Now, I have a videotape of his uh, deposition, which I'll leave for you to watch. But like I said, with you alongside, perhaps that will push the plaintiffs to settle. We're so close as it is. The plaintiff is poor, so they seem working great. class. <laughs> the plaintiff is 10 years old. Our client ran him over with his SUV. Oh, Jesus. But he survived. Oh, yes. That's why they're holding out for six and a quarter. If he died, I think that we could have settled for three. What a okay. great guy. Yes, yeah, straight up Perhaps dirtbag. Sounded cold. Perhaps. <laughs> it's a good take. Okay, okay. so we are uh, we're going to be dancing with the devil this week apparently. Yeah. Well, you know, you kind of This is what they do. So, <clears throat> Here we go. Yeah, well, it, it is interesting to be on the opposite side with an insurance company. What's going to happen? I don't know. Is RBG going to be involved? Could you uh, reiterate to me why he said that uh, regardless of Eugene's enormous talent, they didn't need him as much? Uh, yes. Well, they are only... So there's two strategic things that they're doing. One is they are going to... The, the, the person who was suing is black. And the, some of the jurors are, so they want oh, Eugene there, there to be older or younger. A token. Well, I have and they two want brothers. Older, they want Jimmy there because it's a working a class brother. environment. His name is Justin. So now we're watching the deposition of the kid who got hit. The kid who got hit, that's right. All set? Ready. Let's go. We'll call in, let you know. Good luck. So they didn't settle after all? The plaintiff came down to six, but that was it. Is this our new direction, insurance defense? No, but civil law is something you all want to do, and this is a good end. Right now, our civil profile is non-existent. Which is unfortunate, because I'd love to buy a house. Me too. Yeah, and uh, last, at last check, Jimmy owed 50-some large. I was walking home from school <laughs> when I yep. got to the corner. All and right, let's introduce Columbus. the kid before he talks. Yeah. It's an adorable little kid who got run over by a car. Kid who's made a pretty remarkable comeback, it seems. Well, it probably wasn't last week. This uh, kid is Mark John Jeffries, uh, who's continued to act. He's uh, You'd know him from Notorious, Nerve, Get Rich or Die Trying, The Haunted Mansion, Dexter, and The Tracy Morgan Show. And while we're doing it, the lawyer interviewing him is played by Mary Jo Negro as attorney Audrey Turner, who 
we have seen before. We are not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twist the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. Here we go. Here we go. You were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a goatee. You may be fooling someone different, but you don't fool me. We don't hear the judge, but you just might be. Welcome, welcome back, back to the to practice, the practice tonight. tonight. Oh, scared the cat. And you scared the cat. would know her. Uh, because interestingly, because she has a pretty prominent role in the uh, first season arc, she played Roberta Braun, who was the uh, Bloody Gurgles' wife. Oh, Bloody Gurgs! <laughs> haven't seen you in so long. Uh, also, Keith, where where I freeze from? <laughs> freeze framed? Freeze from? Freeze, freeze from? Freeze from? Copyright Mike and Deglu. Uh, uh, Linda Hunt will be joining us, so that's exciting. Yes. Yes. Freeze from. And I waited till the sunset walk. So I started God to cross. God damn, he's cute. Then I saw it. Saw what? The car. It was coming so fast. What do you think I saw? I the turned car to that look, fucking ran but it me was over, too late. Judge. Before I could even move, it had hit me. Could you see who was driving the car? Only that it was a man, and he was wearing a suit. Like a business suit. Did you see anything else? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I didn't get a good look, Judge, you know, because I was getting run over by an SUV. Objection. By Overruled. SUV. It's his observation. Speaking of the Can freeze from, the jury about we have the defendant. I have but it's just ribs. an extra. We never hear from the defendant. My lungs was hurt. <laughs> my arm Generic was broken. White dude. My head was hurt. And a bone was broken in my shin. Have you had any other problems besides broken bones? I can't learn. You can't learn. I don't remember anything. Do we have an oopsie for a cutest kid who's ever been on the show? Could you? Uh, (laughs) I was almost going to hit a random uh, (laughs) bumper here, but the the two that are right in front of me are Mike is Thirsty and Big Dick. (laughs) So, no. Segwaying out. Segwaying out. (laughs) before the accident. There we go. Yes. And you've talked to the doctors about these problems you've had learning. Yes. Did they tell you whether or not these problems would ever go away? They don't think they will. Thank you, Jason. Right now, another lawyer is going to ask you a few questions, okay? Okay. So getting hit gave him a learning disability? Or brain damage, yeah. Hi, Jason. Traumatic brain I'm injury, Eugene yeah. Young, and as Miss Turner said, I'll be asking you a few questions. PTSD. I guess it could be a lot of things. If right? at any time you need a break, you just tell me, okay? Okay. First, let me say how sorry I am that you got hurt and that I hope you get better. Yeah, Eugene's going to plan you. B this poor kid. Now, you said you were driving you were the car. Home from school that day, right? Yes. At the corner, you said you, you were waited dumb before for the, the accident, weren't you? Say walk. You were always <laughs> I dumb. Did. Well, there was a witness, Jason, a Mr. Anthony Walker. And he said, upon hearing the impact, he looked up. And he said he noticed the light was flashing, don't walk. Well, it said walk when I started to walk. Sometimes it changes when you're halfway across. Were you halfway across? According to the police investigators, you got hit when you were about 10 feet from the curb. 
So that would mean that the light changed to walk, you walk 10 feet, and then it changed to don't walk. Is that what happened? Don't I pedestrians don't always have right away, though? That when you got to the curb, you looked up, saw walk, then walk. I don't think so. That's what I said. Well, actually, you said you waited for it to change to walk. And that's where I'm having difficulty. Now, if it had already been flashing walk when you arrived at the corner, then I can see how you might only get 10 feet or so. Could it have already been on walk when you arrived at the corner, Jason? Maybe. All I know is that it said walk and I walked. You said after the accident, you've been having trouble remembering things, right? Yes. Jason, truthfully, do you have a little trouble remembering the accident itself? When you woke up after the accident and the police asked you what happened, did you remember? Not right away. Well, how long after the accident did you start to remember? It took a long time. I mean, that's a that's a twisted, uh, smart, <clears throat> twisty logic, but I don't know that it's completely effective. I got hit by a car, which gave me trouble remembering. So clearly, causation, you shouldn't be able to remember the accident. So you're so what you're telling us can't be trusted, right? Basically, you're trying to just, but at the same time, clearly he's got trouble remembering, so that still sits in the jury's mind. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like... I, I get why from a strategic point of view, like, you know, like he, there, there isn't a question about whether this guy hit the kid with the car. This is all about how much liability the defendant has in it. And so anything that Eugene can do to make it murky, but it's like, Oh, can you imagine like having to be Eugene in that moment? Yeah, that's, that's rough. Especially when you got Oof. a kid. Um, and what was the figure that they wouldn't they wouldn't come down from? They wouldn't settle for the client came down to six. What was it? Six million? It's pro- no, it's probably six hundred thousand. Oh, okay, yeah. F that. F that indeed. What? You're still expecting me to blink, Audrey? And let's the remember this is a civil proceeding, is so it's no skid marks. Gordon, the right. of the street. Lower. but if That's he right. dashed, nobody saw him dash. Least of all your client, who was trying to place a call. The one and only witness saw. What civil? Walk. Civil's preponderance. How many times have we had this give and take? Many times, but I'm the only one who seems to be giving. You have four fifty for a boy with permanent learning disabilities. And my doctors say it most likely isn't permanent. The truth is, one it'll be years before. One of those rare scenes you and Keith and I love is when I our main cast is nowhere to be found. It's two guest stars having now. And all That's this right. assumes that you can make on liability, which is not a lock. I'm not taking 450. Oh, well, there they are. <laughs> Why don't we split the difference and go home? Five and a quarter. 550. Five. Eyebrows versus Mrs. Bloody Girls. I know girdles. you've done the numbers. It's a good offer. And it's final. Yay or nay? I'll discuss it with the family. How'd it go? Eugene was good, gentle, but he caught some discrepancies. I don't think the boy really remembers the accident eight and a half at the time. 
Well, there's another offer out. The feeling is they'll grab it. Hey! Oh, it's not at all him. Can I help you? Yes. Uh, but let's look at Keen. I was told he might be. The guy that Mike thought was somebody else. Guy who looks a lot like, but definitely is not Ed Harris. I didn't hear any of that. Who did you think it was? I said guy who looks a lot like, but is definitely not Ed Harris. It's definitely not Ed Harris. It is Thomas Kupachi. Guys, he's playing Dr. Harold Manning. But he was also Mr. Shram in body count. So you get Two the times. special bumper. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But after a Super Bowl guest star, you've come charging back for more. Charging so back welcome more. back to the practice. You were here before in season four, and you First, you were a judge who was a bit of a dick. Now, you are a teacher who's a bit of a dick. In silence of the lands, you were a bit of a dick. In real life, I'm sure that you're a really nice guy. Welcome back to the practice tonight. Man, that is slow and epic. <laughs> I, one day well, I'd like to make love to it, Keith. Not you and I, but just me and somebody else. I mean, preferably my wife. <laughs> I, 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 how many you? I have never seen somebody backpedal <laughs> from a comment so many times so quickly. <laughs> Although I'm sure she'd be like, "Is that Keith?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a joke that I've already, I already feel bad that we're, we're seeing through." I, I would. <laughs> I just like everyone stop, <laughs> take a minute, and really think through that desire of Mike's. He wants to get it on while listening to me sing a theme song about Anthony Held from the practice with another unspecified person. Well, <clears throat> I think everybody knew what I was talking about. I mean, ultimately. Mike is thirsty. He's thirsty. He's thirsty. So the interesting thing about uh, Thomas Capaccio here, this is the second character. He will play a third character coming oh, up. Wow. So get ready. No, Did, well, we just going to talk him. about his credits? I, I don't think, think we have. Uh, he's we on his way home. First time I'm Dr. Harold Manning, oh, okay, Vice President yeah, yeah. of Medical so Affairs for Brentford Mutual. Like, okay. This yeah, firm, I understand, right. is on the Jason Lee's case. Make uncomfortable comments. Could we go somewhere and talk? Dude, that looks like Ed Harris, sort of, kind of, not really as much as I thought. I've worked for Brentford Mutual for almost 20 years. I read like files, it. medical histories, in part to be sure they're not being oh, defrauded. Shit. You think the boy's entries may be a fraud? I see you in no, the other room. It's never not. good. Everything listed in the complaint is real. It's what isn't listed. I'm not sure I follow, doctor. This afternoon, in preparing for the case, one of our staff physicians went back over the file along with all the x-rays. He saw something on the MRI, a tiny marking at the base of the brain. He had me look at it. At first, I assumed it was minor bleeding. We often see that in this kind of trauma. But I looked closer. You think it may be more serious? I'm certain it is. 
Mr. Lees has a dissecting aneurysm of the basilar artery. A small tear in the lining of the artery. In time, that tear will likely get progressively worse until eventually the wall of the vessel ruptures. What are the chances that'll happen? It will happen. The question is when? Maybe today, maybe 10 years from now. Without immediate surgery to repair the damage, his life is at significant risk. Wait a second. Jason Lees has a team of treating physicians. I have to believe they're aware of this. If they were aware of this, the boy would have been rushed into surgery. His doctors obviously missed it. We missed it until today. Have you notified his family or What his a doctor? twist! So... A whistleblower. They're, def- they're going against this kid, but is is he a doctor for the defense, this guy? He's a, he's a doctor for the insurance company, so he's a whistleblower. Wow. Well, I mean, nobody's hiding it, right? He just happened to, to, to find it. None of the team and the other people did. He happened to find it, but, of course, <clears throat> what's he going to do with that information? What does the insurance company want to do with that information? Well, I guess they're going to... Surprise! I can't. As an officer of the company, I have a fiduciary duty to Brentford Mutual. I cannot disclose if it's against their interest. So they don't even know? No, they don't. What about Gordon Keene? Does he know about this? No, that's why I've come looking for him. I couldn't get him on his cell. What you're telling us, Doctor, that boy's life is in immediate danger. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Oh shit, this feels like a great place to go to commercial. Let's all stand silently and stare at each other while we fade to black. So, does your fiduciary duty supersede your Hippocratic Oath? Well, he's not a... I don't believe he... Well, I don't think he's a a doctor. I think he... Yeah, I mean, I well, I guess, well, but the Hippocratic Oath is do no harm. It's yeah, not yeah. inform everybody about everything. Like, I, I guess it does. I mean, in this in this case, like, he, yeah, it's interesting. I guess, I guess that is what's happening. Nice neckerchief, Lucy. Oh, Lucy's going full Scooby Doo. I just got off with Doctor Scanlon. He agrees. Aneurysm. Okay, whatever they counter tomorrow. We'll accept it, and we'll get the settlement entered immediately. Tomorrow? That kid is in danger tonight. We can't get a settlement entered tonight, Jimmy. So what? Gordon. I hear you, Bobby, but the client has instructed me to get the case settled. If that aneurysm bursts tonight, Brentford Mutual will be on the hook for ten times that amount. they are willing to run the risk, evidently. I'm not. That's not your call. This is privileged. It's work product. We can't let a kid die. Come on. We are going to settle this thing and then enter it. Then they'll just try to avoid it on fraud as soon as we tell them. Did you advise the client of that? I did. And? The client doesn't want us to tell even after the settlement. after the settlement. No, they don't want to tell even after the settlement. Oh, shit. You gotta be kidding me. Bobby. Brentford Mutual is hemorrhaging, if you'll pardon the terrible It's like a Mike and Deglio pun. If it gets out that that kid has an aneurysm, it's a multi-million dollar verdict, even if they're able to repair it. And if it should come out that we knew about that aneurysm and we didn't tell, the public relations alone. That's sick. There's got to be a way around this. There isn't. 
The client has given us the instruction. We are ethically prohibited from revealing this information. Now look, I don't like we this any more than you do. We are in a sticky corner, Keith. We sticky corner. are in a super sticky corner. I'll take it from here. I'll get this thing settled in the morning. Thanks. Yikes, so that it quite literally have life and death stakes right now. We're just going to sit on this? Lucy, get me under some Mike, did you gather that name? I'm afraid Shit, Gordon Keene is Egon. right. He can't be. Egon if we know a client back. is about to cause serious Egon bodily harm, here. we're allowed he is not to tell. In prison. No, that is different from knowing Lindsay somebody's medical condition as a part of work product. Prison, and now Why? Why should it be any different? In both instances, we have knowledge somebody's about to get hurt. Crazy. Perhaps that distinction is a ludicrous one, Bobby, but currently the law makes that distinction. If you know your client is about to commit crime cause bodily injury, you are permitted to tell. Also, you know, David Kelly's first back first episode back writing f- for some time and he's calling on all, all his old friends. He Linda tr- Hunt's he gonna be here is. later. We're gonna have Bloody Gurgles, his wife. Yeah, we yes. got everybody, man. It's great. But a medical condition in a civil matter. Unless you get the client's permission, you are frozen. Can't you get the client to move on this? No. All I can think of after we settle the case, the client might be less panicked. Maybe then we can convince them to tell. But as Keene said, the risk there is so great. Well, I can't think of anything else. Can you? Jimmy? Also, I shot a guy 15 feet away from the scene. Jimmy, any ideas? No. Where are you in the trial? Well, it's obviously going what are the to settle chances, now, just but for, if for some reason it doesn't, are you— Just for shits and giggles, that if we were to freeze-frame this, us outside of Egon's house, and go back to Egon's initial arc to when we were interviewing him at his house, that would be the same house. Continuity. Ooh, it's good. It looks familiar. I mean, it, it looks like the rich guy house they use. Yeah. That, well, you know what? You're right. We only use a few houses, so chances are actually <laughs> higher than I'm <laughs> alluding to. Ready with your closing, Jimmy? Jimmy! Is your closing ready? I was going to head back to work on it now. I don't think we'd get there tomorrow. You've got to stay focused. I'll be ready if need be. Actually, <clears throat> I have an idea. Let's hear it. You already pitched it, Keith. Whistleblower. That guy went to them, which was great, but why wouldn't he just release some documents to the family? Uh, anonymous right. documents. You know what I mean? Just whistleblow it. 100%. That seems 100%. to be a glaring, a glaring loophole. Same thing as last week. Yeah, but I owe 75 large on that Lakers game. Shouldn't he be in rehab by now? I don't think you go to rehab for gambling. Maybe you do. I don't know. You want to bet? Any sisters? Good one. Good one. No that, was, that was good. I'll give you a pat on the back for that one. My parents wanted to Only if you can listen to the bumper while you At least while that's you what my older back. brother tells me. He says that's punk me. He punks me all the time. Oh, no. I'm going to reach around that comment. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Jimmy is having a dark night of conscience. This kid could literally drop dead any second. Yes. So fucked up. Well, and especially if the insurance company doesn't want to tell even after the settlement, they're sort of guaranteeing he's going to drop dead. Right, right. Dude, what you gonna do, Jimmy? We tease sad piano theme, but I think it's really great how that that motif has worked its way into almost every score, every episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they do have light motifs for lots of the uh, parts of the show. It's interesting. I like it. They can't really motif the 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 theme song because it's so abstract. So it's cool that they've created a whole other soundscape for in episode. That's true. Could have wrote a letter. Shit. Mr. Lee's, my name is James Berluti. I'm one of the lawyers representing Brentford Mutual. Yeah, I recognize you. I'm sorry to bother you this late. Your son. Keith, somewhere in a writing room. Your son has an. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just let me just play play the way I'm thinking about this. I'm sure it's not the case, but let me just. Great. I'm going right, right, so to be David E. Kelly coming back from my, okay, my vacation I, working on my other show. You're, are there snacks? There are snacks, yes. Uh, That's really, uh, really, I just want to be a part of a writing room because I bet they have awesome snacks. I bet you're uh, probably in, in well, who knows? All right, you're the guy who's been in charge. Hey, guys. Oh, thanks for having me yeah. back. I'm glad to be here. I, oh, good, good to have you back, David. I, it's been, uh, you know, it's been quieter without you. I got some ideas. Uh, First question, what have we done? Any any dramatic changes in character arcs? Oh, uh yeah. Oh, did we did, did we tell you that we made uh Jimmy a compulsive uh, gambler and uh he got he got beaten up by the guy from Transparent? It was it was quite a thing. Oh, is uh, has he become a degenerate? Like is he a bad guy now? Well, he's not a bad guy, but he's clearly an addict and he oh, he broke the law a couple of times. Oh, okay. So we're going to have to completely retcon that in my first episode back and make him the good guy now. Right, right. Yeah, because because Eugene was like really mad at him, and then they had some sandwiches. Okay, so the sandwiches made it okay, so we can make him a good guy again. It's all good because they they had some sandwiches together. Okay, it's fine. In fact, uh, I I left the, the sandwiches on the uh, on the screen, yeah, on the YouTube part because I forgot to take it off. But I think you know, the double sandwich day. Okay, I did inform you not to work with that podcast. They are not affiliated with us in any way, shape, or form. So stop sending them right, creative. But but there were snacks. It's about snacks. Uh, the point I'm trying to make that's, here, people, is that we, it looks like him. we've really 360 Jimmy all of a sudden. Yeah, well, he's or, he's gone on, a, gone on a little twirl. 180. I, I don't know. I'm not good with that. Well, no, because no, three. You're right. 360. All right, because good he guy, went, bad guy, he, yes. good, good guy. Oh, but while we're stopped, actually, okay. we should introduce. Down of the kid who's about to explode. Guy who's probably thoroughly confused right now and a little bit upset. 
Uh, it is. I, I still can't hear what you say when you do that. It's really funny. I get to, I, I, I look at your mouth and I see how much you talk and I'm like, oh, I bet, bet he had something interesting to say. And then I have to like say something ambiguous afterwards <laughs> that sort of incorporates, you might've said something funny. You might've said something sad, but I'm just going to sort of move forward without necessarily acknowledging it, like tonally neutral. Perfect. Perfect. Anyway, this dad is played by Cleveland Derricks, who, uh, guys, he was in Sliders, The Wedding Bells, Thea. But more than that, if you are a Broadway person like we are, he is a Tony winner for Best Featured Actor in the original Broadway cast of Dreamgirls. And while I read the rest of his Broadway credits, let's take a listen. The mellow sounds of James T. Early. Or Cleveland Derricks. Oh, yeah. You would also have seen him in the original cast of Brooklyn, Big Deal, and Hair. He also did the vocal arrangements for Dream Girls. Was he a, was he street singer in, in Brooklyn? I can't hear you talking. All right, we're getting a strike. Kill it, kill it. That's more than 30 seconds. Kill it. Your son. Oh, this isn't on the YouTubes. So Your son has an aneurysm. Whatever we want. What? Our doctors reviewed his MRI. I called an ambulance. It's on the way. Is, was he street singer in Brooklyn? That's the only part of that show I like. He was street singer yeah. in Brooklyn. It was the only yes. good part of Brooklyn. We need to get him to a hospital. I, I had Where the album. I never actually saw it. I mean, he didn't get singer face off, but that show was bad. <laughs> Mr. Lees, you need to get your son out of bed. Got it? It's well, just sleeping pretty well, well, sweetheart. Huh? You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Well, they probably... Gave him some sort of a medication to lower his blood pressure. He's like probably sleeping because of that. Jimmy, I mean, you could have done that without having to be there. Bobby's pissed. I just got this leather jacket. Do you like it? And the uh, the mock turtle. Jimmy. Thing. Dr. Manning was right. The boy uh, went into surgery a couple you, hours Jimmy. ago. Did, did anything happen? No. I told him. You told them. Oh, boy. Eyebrows is here. Bobby, what are you wearing, buddy? Something I would have worn, and that's not a good thing. Jimmy informed the parents. The boy is in surgery. Are you out of your mind? Yeah, I am. And you can go tell your client, Mr. Keene, if they want to report me to the bar, go ahead. But like you said, the negative publicity will destroy them, and I'll make plenty of noise. Trust me. Is that all you thought about Jimmy being disbarred? You personally and your firm will be on the hook for any damage award above 550000 You think about that? I wasn't going to let that kid die. We removed the aneurysm, clipped it without complications. He's going to be fine. <sighs> He's been playing fast and loose with the firm's money, though. I will say that. Boy, he sure has been. He's been uh, he's been gambling with it. You'd say this also was perhaps a gamble. Still on the show, Lindsay? 
I love these stand-up meetings they have, but you'll Could notice every one of them. Or not? not really, Eleanor's but it was dangerous enough that like, they had to operate that. right away. Was there standing any bleeding up in the way? No, because it never ruptured. They clipped well, and, and it. And Bobby's standing in the same place in this very, oh, no. like, awkward, I'm standing, <laughs> and like, man pose. we were fired. But, like, nobody actually Sorry. stands like that I'm in proud of you, Jimmy. I'll probably never get my house now, but I'm proud of you. Me too. Can someone give Eleanor a case, by the way? That was the board of bar overseers. You've been summoned to appear today at one o'clock. What? He actually reported me. I didn't think they'd dare. Brentford Mutual didn't report you. Who then? Keen? I reported you, Jimmy. Oh, fuck! Oh, shit! What? Now we retcon- Hold on. So, now the sandwich- The sandwich Uh, was bullshit?! (laughs) Uh, sorry, Goodbye, I need to call vote. the sandwich shop. I okay. recommend you do this bar. Uh, uh, hello? Hey! Is this the sandwich shop? Yeah, sandwich king of uh, Boston. Uh, uh, but I have yeah. a New Jersey accent. It's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a transplant. Well, sandwich... <laughs> well, sandwich king of Boston. I can help you. Any? Do you, have, do you have a problem with your hoagie? Your sub? Your grinder? What do you got? Yeah, so you know how I made an order for a couple of sandwiches, uh, like a like a meatball sub for Jimmy. Oh yeah, and yeah, maybe yeah. Like a turkey club the, our, for Eugene. Our friendship package. Yeah, the fr- yeah, of course the friendship yeah, yeah, package. Yeah, two, yeah, yeah. Two we- hoagies, a bag of chips, and uh, a, a soda with with one straw. <laughs> two straws. Two straws. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, so they like they, they they each suck on a different side of the straw. Is that is that how that works? Yeah, and why can't we be friends by plays in the background? Yeah, yeah. So I I'm I, I'm so sorry. I hope you didn't make the sandwiches. Uh, uh, yeah, we delivered them about a week or two it? ago. Oh yeah. Uh, what's your return policy on week old meatball subs? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you can shove them right up your ass. That's my return policy. Okay. Well. Uh, okay. Well, we're gonna have to. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think we've, we've proven we're very, very good at improv during this episode. <laughs> we've really sticked the landing. It's right. Really <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the sticking the landing. <laughs> what the fuck, Eugene? What a fucking asshole. <laughs> Absolutely no re- need for him to do that, although I guess he's not happy with the money thing. I don't know. Do you come back from that? I don't know. I don't know. You'd need a, at least two meatball subs now. They're calling them in at one o'clock. I heard. Yeah, obviously he was standing there. Why didn't you check with me first? He's, he's doing his man stand. Did Jimmy? And I was saying like he, he knows they called him at one o'clock because we were all you at that stand-up meeting. Big so this is one of those weird after-commercial Jimmy just told the parents where, like, that the kid we, was we sick. Just, oh, right. By reporting him to the we bar, you revealed that it was a client's intent not to tell, and the publicity of that may be what brings them down. Did you consider that? I considered this. Jimmy should go. I like him, but. Actually, right now, I'm not even sure I do. You put us all at risk, Bobby. To flex his conscience, he jeopardized this entire firm, same as he did when he stole client funds to pay off his gambling debt. You should have come to me before. You would have done nothing. 
You're a nice guy. You would let it ride because Jimmy's a nice guy. He would have cried, I'm sorry, it won't happen again, and you would have bought it. Well, I'm not buying it anymore. I'm not letting him take me down and everybody else. Enough is enough. He has to face the consequences. I don't set a lot of rules here. But we don't turn on each other. I didn't turn on him. He turned on us with what he did. He put us all at risk. But my reporting him, I protected the firm. Oh, so, so you were protecting us. Damn right. Then why not be open about it? Why not come to me before? Because you would have protected him and put the firm at risk too. Then aren't we all lucky to have you to look out for us? Imagine how safe you make us feel. You taking his side, Bobby? What he did was wrong. But I don't like what you did either. And if you think you did it the way you did to protect us, then you're lying to yourself. I think Bobby's right, but Eugene has a point. Like, conceptually, they could bankrupt the entire firm and all the people in it if this goes wrong. I don't disagree, but, like, don't conflate the issues. The gambling thing, sure. The gambling thing is much more serious. That's client's money. That's an escrow or however, however it's done legally. Right. <clears throat> he jeopard- right, That right. is like, he jeopardized them legally. Like, bad there. Here, you can win the, the you can win the, the, uh, the public messaging battle there. You know, had they decided Jimmy, the, the conversation to whether we're going to stand behind Jimmy or we're going to report him and make him go happens two weeks ago. Happens during the last case, during the gambling thing. For sticking by him, right. you know, and to be truthful, they should have had a conversation, a conscious conversation about ways they could have gotten the, the information to the client. Although I will say Jimmy was dumb about it. I mean, I get it. It it, it overwhelmed him, but like there's ways to get, he could have anonymously called the ambulance even. You know what I mean? He didn't have to be standing no, I, on the driveway. No, totally. And I think that the, the both of these situations that Jimmy has gotten himself into had they all talked to each other and come up with a creative solution, like they could have helped him out with the money thing. They could have come up with a creative way to do this. Like there's a lot of just like lack of communication that's happening, which is causing them to make sort of sloppy mistakes like this. Speaking of, I I find that, you know, and this is a problem with serial television shows anyway. I, I totally not. It's not exclusive to the practice, but I have found that this season thus far has felt a little a roller coastery with a lot of different arcs because it feels like the writing room is is in constant flux and thus there's no real cohesive strategy going into the season as to like where are we starting where do we want to end it kind of feels like a a sort of beat to beat decision and that's why obviously like the whole we were still really processing the new information and trying to decide what to do uh, it roller was coastery an extremely up and down. agonizing decision we, for we all felt this way at the beginning of as you left too. it with mr baluti the client oh we got everybody all the hits to reveal the, the bar association yes, indeed that's there was nothing to be accomplished in the Judge course Wilcox of the night so Hunt. general counsel at brentford mutual uh, mr keen will be here all Judge day Parkerlips. if you choose to dance I know you're trying to serve the public reputation of Brentford Mutual, but that's not what this hearing is about. Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Young has reported to us that the client's unequivocal instruction was for the attorneys not to reveal what the client had told them about Jason Lee's medical condition. Is that true, sir? Personally, I believe that that decision was subject to change. Answer my question, Mr. Keene. Yes. 
at the time that Mr. Berluti chose to tell them the client's wishes were that he not do so. And from your observation, Mr. Berluti was aware of the client's wishes? We were all acutely aware, yes. Okay, we'll take a short break, then resume with Mr. Berluti. I love how we have two judges here that we know, but it's actually a three-judge panel, and the third one's an extra. Who gets cropped out of most of the shots in uh, the SD feed. Okay, my opinion? We just go with straight emotion. All of this happened so fast. You certainly did the humane thing. Basically, you, you went on autopilot, Jimmy. I agree. You're dead on the law, and Hiller, we know how she is. Just tell them you blew it. Show some remorse. They can't be without compassion. Okay. Jimmy? I don't feel remorse. Are you okay? <clears throat> I'm fine. I think he's more brokenhearted about Eugene. Well, understandably. Yeah. The hearing going on now? We're on the break. Uh, but it's a closed session, Mr. Lees. You can't go in. This is the dad. Where's uh, Mr. Baluti? He's uh, meeting with his lawyers. How's your son? Do you care, Mr. Young? Damn. Look, Mr. Lees, please try to understand. In the legal profession, there's a certain code that we have to live with. This is another one of our light motifs. You live with it. I think, you know, emotion got the better of me. I kind of snapped. You kind of snapped? Like insanity? No. No, I knew what I was doing, and I admit what I did was wrong. But uh, let's not forget, a life was maybe saved. That boy could have died. I'm a little confused. You say you admit what you did was wrong, then you go on to defend it. Do you think it was wrong, or don't you? Well, I knew it was wrong under the law, but on a human level... I you guess I feel justified. Do you work at that sub shop? So you chose to commit a yes, knowing Jimmy. violation of the law because the you special. disagreed with that law? Runt it was a very emotional night. So absent that emotion, as you sit here today, if you had it to do all over again, your reflective choice would be to preserve the client's secret. You wouldn't tell the parents. Do I state it correctly, Mr. Well, Lee? Jimmy... Here it is, guys. This is it. This is all on the line for Jimmy Berluti right here. Yeah. Miss Berluti, do I state it correctly? No, you do not, Your Honor. If I had to do it all over again, I'd do exactly the same thing. I wouldn't let that kid die. Would you? I wouldn't even ask myself the question, sir. We don't consult our personal feelings on a case-by-case -case basis. As officers of the court, we abide by the law, and under the law, there is no real question here. With all due respect, Your Honor, if you feel that way, then... It's not up to us to feel that... But we do. Whether the law says we can or not, we feel. 
And if you can be that cold about it, I don't care how good a judge you are. You're not my idea of a human being. Jimmy. No, I don't care. I won't be judged by the three of you. Damn, he turned bright I won't to be judged by you. And Jeannot put in some very awkward zooms. If we're a society of laws, if we're a society that says, let that kid die, then the society needs adjusting. So we should let every lawyer act according to his or her own conscience with no regard for what the rules mandate. The rules should have regard for a conscience. Yours? Mr. Young's conscience might tell him to preserve the trusted confidence of a client. Mr. Young doesn't act out of conscience. Holy shit. Okay, so Pick folks, another... Mike's Ooh. read on it right here, and uh, unless they got one hell of a twist coming, Jimmy's getting written off the show, and this relationship between him and Eugene is over. That's my read with 15 minutes to go. It's not looking good. Example. I think we understand your position. You don't believe what you did is wrong, and faced with the same choices, you did the same thing over again. Yes. I mean, Jimmy's not in the total right here. I mean, there were other, there were other, there had to be other okay. avenues, at least to consider and pursue. But it, it was well, time sensitive. It was time sensitive. Well, there, well, here's the thing, though. There are other avenues to consider if you're not going to be upfront about what you're doing. Like, in terms of just, like, pure ethics, I'm going to do what I think is right and not do it in some sneaky, anonymous way. I'm just going to stand up and do what I think is right. This is the most direct, honest way to do it. Yeah, and you in, in doing so, you consider the consequences. The consequences are clearly disbarment right. and or... Right. <clears throat> right. So I think it, it really is an interesting ethical question. How'd it go? Not well. Did they rule? Under advisement. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. They're willing to let me make a brief summation before they decide. So, I'm gonna get to work on it. I don't have a conscience. No, Eugene. You don't. All right. It's all too easy for you. Jimmy. What'd you do last night? Go home, flick on a ball game? You did the easy thing, Jimmy. I don't want to hear any of this. Well, I want to say it. We all wanted to tell. Uh, of course we did, but we were bound by ethical duties, duties we swore to uphold. Even well, tell when, me about ethics. I you... am telling you. You falsified loan documents. You got fired from a bank. That's how you got hired here in the first Old place. Old news. A month ago, you stole from a client to pay off your bookie. I damn well will tell you about ethics. You're a thief. And last night, you forked over a client was it a popular thing to do? I'm sure yes, they'll probably give you a medal for it, but it's not what we do. Not to the client. And as lawyers, Jimmy, we owe them our trust, our trust. You're not trustworthy. You put no premium on what it means to be a lawyer. You disgraced everybody here, and you may have put us all out of business in the yeah, process. Feeling, feelings. You want to call yourself a friend, Jimmy? You're not my friend. Convenient for you. I'm a gambling. Conclude you got some moral superiority going. You're more ethical, so hey, you must be right on this. Are you, Gene? But you're not right. You would have let that kid's head explode. You're not right. 
and going behind my back. I guess that makes you friend. Why didn't you resign, Jimmy? You're about to go blow a confidence, put the firm at risk for a million dollar malpractice claim minimum. Why not quit first to protect us? Your conscience ever get out of thought? No. But I'll tell you this. I quit now. See, that's a great scene because I think finally that conflict is earned. They both have really good points and there are real stakes to it. That was an excellent scene. For every reason you just expounded and... It wasn't about who drinks more coffee. And neither of them moved. There was simple blocking. Jimmy turned his back at one point and Eugene actually took a step towards him, which was kind of an interesting blocking choice, but neither of them used their hands. It was all in their faces on close shot. It was just excellent. An excellent, once again, example of how you don't need to do anything. Lightning, if you're good. One man who scored 189 yeah. career touchdowns. Yeah. One defense that played so well as here's another, inter- I did a little deep dive here. So Jimmy is watching ESPN, which we literally saw on the screen and all the people. And so this is the second time we have seen, uh, we have we, we see ESPN, we heard Al Michaels on Monday Night Football. And uh, they, the reason they were able to do this is because ABC owns ESPN and Monday Night Football at that point was on ABC. And uh, I did a little research. ABC bought ESPN in 1984 from uh, Texaco and William Rasmussen, who was the founder. And they muscled out Ted Turner to do it, who was best. Uh, You'll also recognize that later that plays out because Disney purchases ABC. And so now now Disney, therefore, owns ESPN. There it is. Which is why you can go to the ESPN, the all-you-can-eat burger joint in the Disney parks. Well, you can eat burger no, joints. No, it's not that. that. I don't, know. I don't want joint. you to quit. And Bobby's at Jimmy's house. I know you don't. Bobby want doesn't want him to quit. But this was an extreme situation. I can't quit you. For my money, you took us all off the hook. I took off my tie. We all want you back. It kind of begs the question of whether I even get to practice law. Eleanor's been working all night on her statement. Let's not sell her short. But is Eugene going to quit? How's this going to play out? You're so good to me, Bobby. I know I haven't lived up to... You really believe that? Overall, I've been... He's done a lot of good. You still think of yourself as Jimmy the Grunt? Do you ever stop to consider what a great trial lawyer you've become? Did you pause for a second to wonder why Brentford Mutual hired you here? You've become a gifted trial lawyer. Now you tell me. As it's all about to end. Suppose it doesn't end. Will you come back? Of course I don't want to leave. Now, has did Bobby discuss that with Eugene? <clears throat> no, they don't discuss it with each other anymore. Just hanging out. Oh, Rebecca. You don't think we're your friends now, Eugene? 
I don't know, Rebecca. I just see and hear you all cheering for Jimmy. Eugene, we're standing by him, not because we necessarily agree with him, but because he's family. You went outside of the family on this one. It was the right thing to do. Clearly you think that. You know, this bring, this begs a point we can talk at the, at the oopsies, Keith, that like we say, it's not always black and white. Like, like sometimes, you know, we could try to agree on what's the right thing to do here, but we're not going to because it's, it's cloudy, you know, with a chance of meatballs from friendship sub, but we can discuss Ooh, what, we'll what we would have done. And you know what I mean? And some, and those aren't always the same thing. No. And, and you know, it makes it much more interesting television. If both parties have a side and have a legitimate reason to feel the way that they do. I mean, truth be told, I don't, I don't think I'd rat you out or like any of my family out. If I mean, my my loyalty is important in, in many things. Now, you know, there's obviously the very specifics of the question would have to come up, but in this case, I don't. Well, I, I, I definitely I really wouldn't kind of want to go down a a list of uh, things that you would and wouldn't rat me out on. So maybe we'll do it. We'll we'll do that in the episode. yeah. Sounds good. A little column A, a little column B. The Ooh, circumstances were extremely exigent. How, a human no life hanging in the balance. Nobody could presume to know the vice Jimmy Berluti was in two nights ago. Ms. Fraud, I'm sorry. I have to stop you. Lawyers are trained to make difficult decisions. You people of all people make them daily. I've watched you do it in my courtroom. Not with these kinds of stakes. Look. Arguing his compassion isn't going to fly. Do I get to give my closing? Yes, you do, but I'm advising you not to whack us on the head with emotion, especially since your client says he'd do it all over again. He has a problem. You got the problem. Jimmy, since you don't want to let Eleanor talk, okay. how about giving me a chance? I thought we heard you clearly yesterday, but if you have more to say, I'm sure we're all quite wrapped. I've made a lot of mistakes. But telling those parents to take their son to a hospital wasn't one of them. Yes, it was. You don't get to decide when you follow the rules and when you won't. Otherwise, what kind of anarchy would we have? If the rules are a lawyer can't tell a boy or his family that he has a life-threatening medical situation, an emergency that could kill him any second, if the rules say don't tell, you got a problem. You all have a problem. This system has a problem. I'm sorry. Is it us on trial now? Maybe you should be. The adversarial process stopped being about the truth a long time ago. The adversaries lie to each other. We lie and tell false truths every day. And you wonder why nobody respects us. It started off being about fairness and due process, and it's become about winning. And now, we're to sit quiet while an innocent kid has a time bomb in his head? We're duty-bound to let him die out of privilege? And you expect the public to admire our profession? A person who's honorable, a person with integrity, a person who believes that a human life has sanctity doesn't let an innocent child die. I said this yesterday and I'll say it again. I will not be judged by you. 
Especially not you, non-speaking extra. <laughs> uh, well, Mr. Baluti, unfortunately, you are here to be judged by us. So... We're actually a panel of judges? Uh, there's two and a half of us here. It's good speech, though. I mean, like, it's it really is something that we've dealt with a lot. Listen... Especially the lawyers lying to each Something other. Something tells me that I, uh, no, a I've been stomping my foot with a lot of righteous indignation. Mm. But uh, mm. could be, could Eugene be. was right about one thing. I should have had the decency to quit before I. I just didn't think to do it. I'm sorry for putting the firm at risk. Anyway. May I see you a moment in private? I don't want to get into it anymore with you. May I see you in private, Jimmy? The reason I, uh... We're family. You can, what you, what you can say to me, you can say to everybody here. Or we'll go into your office. Okay. <laughs> My brother. He died in prison serving time. It's something he didn't do. You want do. a sandwich? The police coerced a confession. Oh, is this a sandwich conversation or not? The police, they had no regard for the system. And if the day comes, the lawyers start giving up their clients, That's a giving up their secrets, then the system story has... we didn't know. I put more murderers back out there than I can count in the name of this system. I need to believe in its legitimacy. I went home the other night. And I wanted to tell that family just like we all did. And I, I kept telling myself I had no choice. The rules were clear. I had no choice and I was prepared to let that boy die. But what you did was point out I had a choice. The choice you made that I, I didn't. I suppose uh, you were. Uh, you did Keith, what you did. Can we agree right exactly here and right now that Steve Harris and Michael Badalucco spoke to UFC this week? Reporting you going outside of your family, okay. I was acting It's fucking incredible. As well. Anyway, I, uh, you're good with me. And I hope in time I'll be good with you. They're back with the ruling. They should have neutered the sandwich scene from last week and just had this week be the... Definitely. That beat seems kind of have to Mr. Now. Baluti, you touched on a number of themes that are very close to the order. It's true, we no longer impose the burden on attorneys to be honorable, and that's unfortunate, if not disgraceful. But it's also true, which you know full well, legal ethics and morality are not only two distinct concepts, they're quite often mutually exclusive. And if lawyers start letting personal morality be their compass the system and all the participants in it are collectively lost so we carve out rules many of them quite strict 
and the strictest, perhaps the most paramount, goes to client trust. What a client tells his lawyer is sacrosanct. The attorney doesn't get to decide when he'll honor the privilege and when he won't. You broke that seal, Mr. Baluti. The rule we hold most dear, you broke it. And your moral preaching aside, there's no excuse for it. None. Seems to be the end of Jimmy Berluti, the lawyer. That having been said, this board does have discretion as to what we do with you. We applied a very unscientific test back there. We asked ourselves, is the profession of law better served with you in it or out of it? We decided better to have you in it. You're suspended for three weeks. We are adjourned. Jimmy! Wow. That's a much more stressful uh, How about that? mending of relationships for Jimmy than, than a sandwich would have been. Could have just had two sandwiches. <laughs> I could have picked up the tab, Eugene. You didn't have to put me through that. We've already blown most of the day. Let's go get a sandwich. Actually, I, up. I thought I had three weeks off. No, I still have to work. <laughs> oh shit, now Jimmy gets to give him the cold shoulder. I mean, when just kiss and make up. Play the Massachusetts scenery bumper. Go in the back room. Do what needs to be done and just let's get over this. And the slow fade. All right, folks. It's time to hop back over to the YouTubes and we'll do some oopsies. And we are back, baby. <laughs> Keith has 29 minutes left before his meeting at two. <laughs> um, yeah, so that brings us to our first segment. Sorry, guys, I forgot to record. 30 seconds to remember <laughs> what just happened on the show. Oh, man, that kid got hit by an SUV, and now we have to protect the, the people that hit him. And But it turns out that during this, we find out the kid has an aneurysm. He could die any minute, but we can't tell. Our client says, don't tell. But Jimmy goes behind the backs of everyone and tells anyway because it's the right thing to do, says he. Eugene is pissed, turns him into the bar. The bar has to decide. The bar's like, he did the wrong thing, but we need to have more of a contest, so we decide that the law is better with you in it, Jimmy. So he's saved, but is his relationship with Eugene's? That, we'll never know. Well, maybe we might, but we won't know by the end of the episode. Yes. Well, that was, that was good. You know, you did both takes. You did really well this week, so congratulations. Well, now, is there a way you can do it again, but uh -huh. faster? Added a oh. very structured amount of syllables. But only with a loud bump. Mm. <laughs> His life is at risk, period. The sandwich did not work, period. Jim did the right thing, Question mark. I appreciate the punctuation. <laughs> well, you'll need it for the for the Instagram. That's why it's it, it holds meaning. It holds meaning and nuance. 
<laughs> because the punctuation on the Instagram that we put up is really what's going to make or break uh, this segment. And no, Keith, this what's going to make and break the podcast is Ooh. the very important awards that we hand out, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh. The Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present. Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, Jackie, they are a fake award show. And that begins every week with Most Valuable Well, Most Valuable Lawyer, not Most Valuable Human Being, right? So we can't just just give it to Jimmy because he uh, saved the kid's life. We do have to say, did we, we, I'm sure there was information in there that, that told us how the case actually turned out. Could do we know? Did they settle? Because you said you'll we, you're, you'll be you'll be liable for any amount of damages above a certain threshold, right above the five fifty, which they'd ha- had already offered. So we do not know the outcome of that yet. So that makes most valuable lawyer very difficult for us because we only have a kind of a a, a cross section of of what of some of the case. Well, does it though? Because there were two cases on this, and the other case was Jimmy fighting for his life and his bar card, and he was able to win his case while calling the panel of judges bad people. Yeah, and Linda, who's like, you know, Linda Hunt, who's like part of the family. You're right. And even though Eleanor was representing Jimmy, it was Jimmy who did his own defense. I mean, he gave his own clothes. He gave all that. So yeah, I guess Jimmy Berluti saved his own ass and said the right things to the firm, to his colleagues, that made him... Uh, That's right. Cool in their eyes. He got himself out of uh, jail with the judges. He got himself out of sandwich jail with Eugene. I mean, to to that point, though, another actually, I I pointed out in the oopsies. We are in the oopsies. So I'll point it out now. Uh, (laughs) You'll recall last episode of the episode before, Eugene decided that he was not going to tell the rest of the firm that he had stolen the the money for the gambling debt. And so. We are to assume, for what we know, that when they had their tete-a-tete in the office during one of their stand-ups, that that was the first time the gambling debt thing right. had had come to light. Not a gasp to be found. Eleanor basically rolls her eyes, and then when Rebecca and everybody forgives him, it looks like Jimmy really dodged a bullet. I guess they yeah. really take the, we got to support an addict. Uh, they all there. entirely just like, you're 100% right. They all completely ignored it. And uh, yeah, there's like, ah, nothing to see here. We saw last week's episode. We saw the recap. That definitely so. felt like a way to like, you know what? We're going to use the the tight relationship we've built to sort of jump over this weird thematic uh, pitfall that we've created for ourselves. Yeah, because if I were, uh, you know, anybody else in the firm, I- I'd have questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. $50,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> Woo! God bless you. Oh, I just, I just, uh applause to cover my sneeze. All right, let us move forward to... Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest out. 
Um, oh, there were some great guest actors. Some we've seen before, some we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Linda Hunt had some great... Is she a guest actor at this point? I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She did some excellent Linda Hunting. Excellent Linda Hunting, but I think Eyebrows was a great antagonist for us this week, and you always need a great antagonist. I also want to give a shout-out... Yes, Jeffrey. I also thought that the kid's dad was really excellent. He didn't have a lot... But every scene he was in was really compelling. And his scene with Eugene actually was like a fulcrum in the episode. It really had made Eugene kind yep. of consider some things. So uh, I'm going to go with Jeffrey, but I wanted to give that uh, honorable mention. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all of that. But uh, none of those am I giving my half of the oopsies to because I'm giving my half to Mark John Jeffries as the kid. That incredibly poised performance by that kid who had to sort of play all of the range of being so confident and then sort of being caught by mm-hmm. Eugene and, and still sticking to his guns. I thought he did great. Uh, so congratulations to Jeffrey Damon. That's not the, uh, that's not applause. No. Jeffrey Damon and Mark John Jeffries. Wow. I'm allergies. falling apart over here. I got allergies. allergies, got spring allergies happening. It's a, uh, Oh, oh, it's a big problem. Well, this one we have already predetermined, but everyone deserves their bumper and their bloviating. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Shout out to everybody in the firm. Especially Rebecca D, or Lisa K. Hamilton and Dylan McDermott. Each of their Rebecca D moments at the end of the episode were very. They both got one. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're both they were both very good. But you know this one we've already discussed. Steve Harris and Michael Badalucco had some great moments in last week's episode, but I felt that it was a it was a tougher road to hoe because the writing of it really put Jimmy at the bottom of a hill looking up last last episode. Right. Uh, it had to be very apologetic, and he didn't get to. So it, it was kind of had just one flavor. This week, that tete-a-tete between the both of them was so, was such a masterclass in acting. Just stillness. They both, like Keith had mentioned, both had great points. They were both, they both had solid ground to stand on. Um, right. and, and But still were able to come at each other with both, it, but with both digs that were, about the argument at hand, but also personal, they got they aired some personal grievances that have been building, which I th- was cathartic for everyone, I think, because they just get it, let it out, and they let it out in front of everybody. And so we now finally know that all the cards are on the table. And I love an all the cards on the table moment because it allows us to move forward. I was surprised that they actually were able to successfully write the, themselves out of a corner. It looked like they had painted themselves in by like, I guess Michael, I guess Badaluka's off the show, Jimmy's off the show. But they were able to not only kind of retcon I'm going to say because it doesn't feel like it was cohesive his weird arc but he's back he's appreciated again and hopefully we can move past his glaring issues where he was stealing from the firm and putting them in legal and financial jeopardy so uh, even though he probably should no longer work there and he was fired and he did quit but he was not disbarred but somehow it all in 45 minutes comes back and he's we're all we're all cool we're getting lunch again 
Yeah, well, I I'll have a comment on that uh, in the uh, in the uh, tires, but yes, I, I think what happened here is we continued the story of Eugene and Jimmy, but now we've equalized the power dynamic, which uh, I think makes for a a really good interaction between the two of them. Um, so uh, yeah, so. Uh, Congratulations to Michael and Eugene. Watch on Instagram to see who I assign who to mm. on the uh, on the winners. And uh, everybody's favorite winner is up next, and that is the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Last week, I think was abducted Brady, something like that. Oh, that I don't think I've right? done it yet. No, I can't remember what we. No, no, no. Uh, on the steps of the Brady. No, we no, did we did that, that one. Banished 2 was the episode. I think it was like abducted Brady, something like that. Kidnapped right. Brady, something like that. I haven't done it yet, so uh, if not, sure then it's a different image is appearing here. That's because we're somehow ahead. This week, we will go with uh, Tom Brady. Uh-oh. Tom Brady angrily working at the sandwich shop with someone calling to return their sandwich. Tom Brady. Tom Brady angrily working at the sandwich shop that someone is returning a sandwich, Tom Brady? Yeah, you can shorten that, but, you know. <laughs> it, it's to go with our uh, that weird improv we did where you were trying to return the meatball sub from last week. Uh, and, you know, sandwich no one had a sandwich shop, shop once. Brady. Yeah, that's good. Sandwich shop Brady. Oh, congratulations, sandwich shop Brady. <laughs> for the Tom Brady award for being Tom Brady, which means there's only one last thing to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Yeah, so we're going to have to talk about this in a vacuum because I do think David E. Kelly came in and wrote a really good episode that fixed a lot of the problems with an arc that was created. The whole Jimmy thing, as Keith and I have talked about for a few weeks, I, I did not sit well with me. I was... We've come to love Jimmy. He's been that underdog who's continually overcome the odds. They've made him really a dumb dumb in some times. They've really done some wacky things with him. But this was a, a, a beyond the pale. I'm sure there's a nuanced, really powerful episode or arc to do about addicts and gamblers. But this was not handled that way. This was, it felt very ham-fisted, very cliche as a whole. I think the way that Badalico handled it and played it with a humility and a humanity was excellent. I'm not commenting on that. I'm commenting on just the the way the arc was kind of done. And it was snipped so quick. We did it in over two episodes. We learn about this huge secret that one of our cast members is hiding. Then completely steals from, just does, it was, it was weird. Uh, this episode, I think, handled it much better, where Jimmy does do something that is putting the, us at, at risk financially, legally, but also was able to tell a, 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 a well-told point about whether, what have we become, right? What, <laughs> what happened to integrity? What's happened to saving a life? What's happening to doing the right thing? Uh, and we're valuing winning above all. And I think it was able to also tell a sub-story about a friendship that is strained and two people who are not just friends, but in a family that are trying to reconcile differences 
and those things coming to a head, but it mirrored the fight that Jimmy was going through. And Jimmy's kind of standing in the office and even in his own, even, even in his own conscience, even in his own person, as, as Bobby points out, when he says, you know, you've become a great trial lawyer and Jimmy demurs and says, well, you're not great now you tell me. So clearly he's dealing with some self-confidence issues. I mean, though they write him so broad and sort of wacky at times, Bataluco has really created a three-dimensional, well-fleshed-out, complicated character, which I think is wonderful. And this episode highlights that. And it feels much more grounded, much more realistic and interesting to me than than what I, th- I even thought possible for them to kind of get us out of this Jimmy arc. Um, I hope we that we don't that we don't never hear about it again because I want to see his progression, you know, into healing from his addiction. But I, something tells me we're not that this was their way to write it off. Something tells me I don't know. But ultimately, this episode in, at its as a whole is really great. Uh, the case initially with the kid is interesting, and I'm I'm, I'm interested about how that's going to to proceed, but then it becomes not about that, which is a great flip, a great twist for the for the show. And we're gonna get really, yes, there's some courtroom drama bits, but it's really a character study about the relationship of our firm. Where are we? We're taking the pulse of the show, of the characters, of the dynamic of our family that we've built. Here we are in, in the beginning slash towards the middle of, epi- of season six. So sometimes, if I just, the writing, although it is, though, once again, we did, we, we should talk about it. I'm sure you'll talk about it more. The glaring hole here is that Jimmy didn't have to do it the way he did it. There were, the firm could have right. collectively made a conscious decision that we need to tell, but there's, we got to do it. They've done backdoor deals before, you know? We've done crazy things before. All of a sudden, we're not the pillar of, of following the rules and the code. That said, for me, a character study with two excellent actors giving excellent performances, hard not to award it a high score. I'm going to give it 8.96 spare tires. Woo, 8.96. Yeah, no, I, I think it is a really interesting episode um, for us. I, I, think you're, I think you're right. Um, it does feel like... It, it's not quite retconning the Jimmy arc, this is like the fourth episode in a row where we have focused on Jimmy. We revealed the gambling thing and then we saw it sort of play out in the next two episodes. Um, but it's really, it, it's a conversation about Jimmy and Eugene's relationship. Um, and also the, and and we added to it this week, the firm wrestling with its alternate desires to go into corporate law because that's where the money is, but mm. also how that cuts against the sort of ethics of the firm. The firm is always fighting for the little guy. You know, it's, it, it might be de- fighting for the defendant, but it's always fighting for the person being attacked, the, the, the person on, on trial and not, and, and not like the, the big firm, the big insurance company, sort of the, We'll fight for the bad guy individually, but not the bad guy on the corporate level. And I think we see the firm wrestling with this, and which is why I think we ever really pivoted in that direction. Um, a couple of th- other things happened here. Eugene's backstory about his brother. I don't remember if that's been brought up before, 
Um, I would have liked to have seen that fleshed out a little bit more because I find that very interesting, seeing Eugene's motivations for why he's a lawyer and why he advocates the way that he does. Um, and I think I found that very interesting. It did feel true to the character. Both of the, this conflict between Eugene and Jimmy felt, I wrote down that it felt earned because it feels like both of these characters, it feels like this is them uh, working in their natural uh, progression. So I really liked that part of it. Um, I liked sort of putting ourselves in these difficult situations. It feels, um, I, 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 so I, I really liked this episode. I thought, I, I thought it was, it was really good. There's some weird director things, the, the weird zooms and the, some of the, some of the camera yeah. work, uh, I found very distracting and, um, it felt very directory. I became very aware of the director in that moment. And I, that's not usually Jeanne Soir's game, but I was like, that's weird. Why do you want to be a part of this scene? Um, can't we just let it be what it is? It's right. plenty intense. Um, and I have one major rewrite that I would like to do. And that is at the end of this episode, we wrap it up. Jimmy gets three weeks suspension and we all move on with our day and we can put it to bed. Why, for the love of God, didn't they throw Jimmy out of the bar? And then we spend the next half of the season fighting to get him back. Why do we wrap it up? Why can't we fight that battle? That's really interesting. Why can't we see that? You know, and I, I get it because you've already sort of argued the moral parts of it. Um, but can't we see Jimmy rebuild in some other way? Wouldn't that be an interesting arc? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it feel like there, there are more stakes so that we, there are consequences at the end of the episode? Don't you think that, don't you think that sort of plays into or justifies my sort of feeling that we don't have a grand plan for this season that we're sort of going week to week? Yeah. Yeah. It feels well. And, and, and I think if there's anything that would be very different, if they did a reboot of the practice today, I think it would be much more like that, much more serialized, much less episodic, um, because I'm sure the network didn't want to have to explain that. They're like, okay, you get two or three episode arcs, but I don't, you know, I don't want you to turn into a serialized story. But I think that'd be really interesting. I would love to see, you know, Jimmy have to start back from the bottom to fight for his card. You know, maybe Jimmy does get the job at the subway shop, you know, and is slinging sandwiches while he fights to get his card back. I don't know. That's really interesting. I'd like to see that story. Um, so I'm my only disappointment really is that it all kind of wraps up a little too quickly. Um, but that said, I also really did like the episode. I thought it was I thought it was very strong. I thought it was very interesting. I'm going to give it 8.43 spare tires. Okay. That's pretty great. Uh, yeah. I guess that brings us, Keith. We got there just under the wire. Let's uh, roll it in. Did. Here we go. Well, I have seven minutes to get to my meeting, but you have all the time in the world to reach out to us and let us know what you thought about this episode and all others. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. While you're there, you're typing, you're thinking about us, you're writing stuff. 
do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. You will join the jury. You will help us grow our listener. Uh, We'd very, very much appreciate it. Speaking of people we appreciate, our founding sponsors, our good friends, Jorge Novoa, CloudLover69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn have all contributed and helped pay for this podcast, and we very much appreciate it. Absolutely do. You can join them by clicking on one of the two show notes to leave a monthly contribution or even a one-time donation. Folks, real quick, Keith, talk to me about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I have no idea. It's Egon. It is? It's not RBG. It's Egon. Wow, that... Nope. (laughs) I'll take your word for it. I I trust that it is. Uh, anyway, it's 100% guys, Egon. Call up your, your uh, local sub shop, order the friendship sub, two Cokes, <laughs> some large fries, and a big old helping of laser sounds. Heat it up with some lasers. Sounds. <laughs>